Shalom, and welcome to another episode of Israel Policy Pod. My name is Margot Nykirk. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm recording live from New York, and I'm joined with... Eli Koaz, recording from Tel Aviv. Margot, how's it going? It's good. It's good. I will say... I love that shalom. That was awesome. Thanks. I had to practice it a couple times, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy holidays. How are, uh, how, are, how are the holidays in Israel? What's going on? Well, let me tell you, the winter has arrived in Israel, raining like crazy for a few days now, and including yesterday where it was storm after storm, and that was the day of the Likud primaries. That's right. I, I read in the news, I read a lot about the weather in the news in Israel because I saw that people were afraid that there'd be a low turnout because of the weather conditions. Of course, yeah. <laughs> well, obviously Netanyahu will warn about a low turnout among his voters, no matter what the weather conditions are. But yesterday he did use the weather conditions as as an excuse. Right. Anyway, well, since you're talking about yesterday, why don't we go into detail in, in terms of what happened and what's the outcome? Right. So yesterday we had uh, the much anticipated Likud primary vote. And Netanyahu had virtually gone unchallenged as Likud leader for almost 10 years. And this was what people said was his first formidable challenge in a while, and it was going to be a vote on whether Netanyahu's indictment uh, for fraud, uh, bribery, and breach of trust, uh, whether the Likud party members are okay with that, or whether uh, they see that as a problem. And moreover, the fact that he failed to form a coalition twice in two consecutive elections, whether Likud party members would hold that against him as well. And I think their answer was a definitive no, we are still with you, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, no matter what. Uh, the results came in late last night or early uh, morning, and Netanyahu uh, won with over 70% of the vote. The final margin was 72.5% for Netanyahu and 27.5% uh, to Gidon Saar. And that's with a voter turnout of 49%, which is not that low compared to previous uh, Likud primaries. So the weather didn't play as big of a deal as a lot of people thought. But yeah, definitely a vote of confidence, at least from within Likud circles for Benjamin Netanyahu. Right. And I think this is exactly the New Year or Hanukkah gift that Benjamin Netanyahu wanted, right? He has had quite a tough year, hasn't been able to form a government twice now, like in March and in September. He came down with a whole bunch of indictments. So I think this was his last push that he needed to go into the new year to rally the troops and say, like, I'm your leader and I will continue to do what I know best. He, at his victory party, he he announced that it was an enormous victory, right? And that it showed that Israel is right-wing and the right-wingers want Netanyahu in place. But he also mentioned... Uh, about his strong relations with the U.S., right? He had even referred to a six-point plan that he promises voters for March he will bring through in terms of U.S. recognizing Israeli sovereignty over the Jordan Valley, over the Dead Sea, and over Israeli settlements in the West Bank. So he's clearly continuing down his path that he, that he already knows. But I also sort of want to uh, spice up the conversation a little bit and ask about Saar, right? Because he 
sort of created this revolt against the traditional institution and traditional politicians, right? He, he came out saying, it's time for change. Let me be your leader. And Israel spoke and said, no. So where does, where does Saar remain in this? Well, the Likud party spoke because that's something important. I mean, we're talking about a very small number of voters here. In both previous elections, over a million people voted for the Likud. But here we're talking about a leadership race where uh, Netanyahu won, yes, by a high margin, but only 40,000 votes. So if you take that in the in proportions of the general election, that's just over one, one Knesset seat. So low numbers, but yes, definitely a vote of confidence from, from within the Likud. You're absolutely right. So where does this leave Saar, right? Because he created this revolt against the big leader, against... Um, what traditionally Likud has stood for the past couple of years. And he lost like a little bit embarrassingly, right? Said that he received just under 30% of the vote. So what does this mean in terms of his place in Likud, in terms of the future for him in Likudnik politics? That's really a great question. And I think that's what most people are going to be talking about in the next few days, uh, because Netanyahu was widely expected to win. No one was surprised uh, with Netanyahu's victory. And for Gidon Saar, I don't know if he expected to win either. Uh, we saw that his campaign, it started off pretty aggressively against Netanyahu, but then it became a lot more kind of embracing and subtle. At the end of the campaign, he was promising that should he be elected, uh, he would work to make sure that Netanyahu uh, becomes president of Israel and all sorts of things to really try to uh, respect him, which is kind of uh, kind of was a change of face for what we heard from him earlier. So people were talking about, well, if Gidon Saar gets over 30% of the vote, he's fine. It's a great achievement. And he shows that he's, he's a formidable opposition to Netanyahu, and he's going to be right there when it comes to uh, the next Likud leader after him. Um, and then if he were to get over 40% of the vote, people... We're talking about, I don't even know if Netanyahu has the right uh, to be the leader of Likud at this moment, despite a narrow victory. But he really did uh, disappoint. Um, he got close to that 30% uh, point that people were talking about. Um, I don't think this is it for him. I think he did. He performed okay. Uh, he got a few prominent MKs to, to voice their support, uh, including Chaim Katz and... Uh, Yoav Kish and Sharon Haskell, uh, Michal Shir, uh, to mention a few. But at the same time, he didn't really uh, make a formidable challenge. So I think that uh, he'll be around after Netanyahu, and he'll, he'll definitely be in the conversation to uh, succeed him. Uh, but I don't think it's a sure thing. Um, and I don't even know if I would consider him the front runner because uh, after Netanyahu leaves politics, which will happen at some point, uh, we don't know when, he could easily endorse a candidate or prop up a candidate from w within the Likud. And where the Likud's at, I would think that uh, they would trend towards supporting whoever Netanyahu would endorse. Uh, he may be endorsing someone from from a prison cell, who knows? Right. Well, well it's interesting you say that about uh, when Netanyahu leaves, because he will eventually leave. And uh even next week, right, we're expected by midnight, I believe, on December 31st, he has to give up his four ministerial positions. So I think also this 
election and the timing of it comes into an interesting uh, play because here he is, he's one big and he's looking for loyalty, right? He knows that he's in big trouble. He's going to ask also for immunity from Knesset at some point. That's a very interesting point because Netanyahu only has a few days left until he needs to uh, inform uh, the Knesset uh, if he would like to pursue uh, immunity. Um, and that's something that most people suspect that he will go for um, because it seems like his only way uh, out of uh, his current uh, legal problems. And uh, the other thing is that uh, the attorney general uh, will have to rule on whether Netanyahu is eligible to form the next coalition with all of his uh, indictments. Right. And the attorney general had already said that he's illegible to continue his ministerial positions. He hasn't said anything about um, if he's able to continue as prime minister. Um, and so that, that he's going to have to give up in uh, on the 31st. Um, but so who will take that over? This Sar- I, I wonder if Sar fits into that picture. Personally, I just don't see that happening. I think um, Netanyahu is going to want to uh, double down on his loyalty, on his, ba- uh, on his biggest supporters um, to make sure that he stays in place and uh, continues his reign and his thought, but uh, I'm not sure. What's interesting, something that, that is probably indicative of what we'll see in the general election, is that uh, Netanyahu and his campaign against Tsar, people that followed it, they may have noticed that Netanyahu barely even mentioned Gidon Tsar's name uh, even once. He talked about the, the attempts of the judicial system to kind of to overthrow him and the media. Uh, he tried to make this race not, not Netanyahu versus Tsar, but Netanyahu versus the judiciary and the gatekeepers of Israeli uh, democracy. So I think uh, we'll probably see something similar as we go to March elections, that the focus won't be on Netanyahu versus Gantz, per se. Uh, it will be Netanyahu versus uh, kind of the state uh, of Israel, kind of like we saw in that, that indictment uh, paper that was uh, released by Avichai Mandelblit uh, just uh, over a, a month ago. All right, and that's been going on for the past month or so, ever since the indictments, really, that he's unable to form a, co- a governing coalition. He it should not be a leader. And that's been going, like you said, it's been going into this uh, the former, now, Likud primary election. So, Margo, you know, I remember last year we did a uh, predictions podcast for 2020. I believe it was me and uh, our policy director, uh, Michael Koplow. And... From what I recall, I don't think our predictions were very accurate. So I, I'm going to suggest that we don't do the same for 2020. But I, I would love to ask you just this one prediction. Do you think we'll have more elections in Israel in 2020 than we did in 2019? I think elections are going to be endless at this point. I mean, we only had two, right? We only had two, right? Of course. Uh, maybe not as many because we we only had two. Hmm. I, I, I'm I'm willing to say I wouldn't be surprised if there would be two to three elections. How about that? Keep it vague. Wow, <laughs> you're going over. Okay, I'm going to take the under here. I'm going to take the under. Okay, so that I think that's enough to cover our predictions podcast for 2020 because we saw how unpredictable Israeli politics 
can be. Well, since you came up with one prediction question, can I ask you one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course you can. I love predictions. I'm not very good at them, clearly, <laughs> so, but, uh, but I do enjoy them. I mean, we'll have to see by this time next year if you were right or not. <laughs> but my question is, will Evan be back on the next episode of Israel Policy Pod? Ooh, I did not expect that. Wow, that's a tough question. Well... <laughs> I'm going to go with yes. I mean, I know he's been, I mean, very busy. We obviously had the, uh, I mean, he's working on a whole bunch of stuff. And the, the new Star Wars movie was also released. And Evan's a big, big Star Wars guy. Um, as probably uh, whoever follows us on social media saw his Star Wars poster that he, he, he worked on so diligently. That's to incorporate right. Gidon right. Sar and Liku Lawmaker's into the force. So I'm going to say yes. You know, I'm going to say yes. I feel confident about this. Uh, much more confident about any Israeli election predictions. So I'm going to say yes. With that, I'd like to thank everyone for your continued support throughout the past year. We here at Israel Policy Forum love providing you content like this, and we are looking forward to doing more of these kind of podcasts in the upcoming months as we lead up to new elections and we are looking forward to in the new year launching our 120 project version 3.0 on january 6th so stay tuned for that there'll be lots of information and updates regarding the march elections thank you again and we shall see you soon happy new year yalla bye